I'm looking for similarities in the way troublemakers think. This is Steve St. Clair, co-founder of Trouble Group. Join us as we learn from others who are shaking things up. In our Troublemaker podcasts, we talk with disruptors. What I'm learning is that just about any sector can be reinvented. Here's the next sector, the treatment of mental health, specifically getting access to it, and it really needs shaking up. A survey from the National Council on Behavioral Health showed that 56% of patients want to access a mental health care provider, but they face care barriers. Even when a patient can find an affordable provider who will accept insurance, clinician shortages, fragmented care, and societal stigma are getting in the way of adequate care access. Dr. Bill Hudenko and his company Trust have found a way around this, and clinicians are signing on. Welcome, Bill. Hi, thank you. Let's start with your background. How did you build this career of yours? Yeah, so I think like many professionals have had a, uh, a winding path. I am a professor of psychological and brain sciences at Dartmouth College with an adjunct appointment in psychiatry. Um, I've been a professor for over 15 years now across multiple institutions, and I'm also a licensed clinical psychologist, and I have really uh, been interested and focused on in my career the transformation of mental health care, and really was because of my background in computer science as well and my interest in technology that about 10 years ago, I got started in the tech industry, and because of that, uh, ultimately about... 10 years ago, I, I started my first tech company aimed at trying to have a bigger impact on mental health care. And this is now, Trust is actually my third company where I've been the CEO and probably the company I'm most excited about because I think it has the capability to really transform what we do in mental health care. And it needs transforming, right? What's going on? Yeah, you know, I really, I, I do think it's safe to say that it's broken, the, the system. And there's many factors. One of the biggest factors from my perspective is that it, historically mental health care has been undervalued. And that means that insurance reimbursements are uh, lower for clinicians, which doesn't incentivize uh, clinicians to get into the field. Um, it is also a problem in that there's limited number of sessions that people can have with mental health clinicians. Um, it's it's costly for healthcare insurance providers, and certainly costly for patients. And what we've seen historically over the past ten to twenty years is more and more therapists are actually getting out of the insurance reimbursement system. So now you have more therapists who are just taking out of pocket payments, which makes it even more difficult for people to afford and access, and really only available in large cities. And so. And to add to that, the latest estimates suggest that it's about 500,000 therapists right now in the United States. And by 2025, we're anticipated to be about 237,000 therapists short of the demand. Wow. So, you know, all of these factors are really problematic. And the last one that I think uh, it really is solved by what we're working on is the density of mental health clinicians is significantly lower in rural areas in particular. So 
it is very difficult for people to access mental health care services unless you're living in a larger city. And even then it's costly. And having grown up in one of those cities in uh, Virginia, I've, I've seen that firsthand. Not the mental side, but just general health care is, is difficult to access and becoming more difficult. Absolutely. In an earlier call, you told me you're, you're growing organically by signing up at least one clinician per day, I think you said. What's your elevator pitch to them? Well, you know, I'd say one of the areas we've been most successful with our company is really getting clinicians on board with the idea of what our company is. So to give people a little context on that, I uh, really thought a lot about how we could start disrupting and changing this sector in mental health care. And what I noticed several years ago was that a lot of the companies, the telehealth companies out there, started doing some work in the space of messaging-based intervention with clients. And uh, it was a commercial enterprise, and we were starting to see it more and more, but even only a few years ago, there was really almost no research out there to show that it worked. So I was really a skeptic as a as an academic. And consequently, I got together with some colleagues from University of Washington, University of Pennsylvania, and we embarked upon the first um, randomized controlled trial of messaging-based care. And we did a very well-controlled, well-designed study, uh, trained up to 10 clinicians, I think. We did over 12,000 messages, coded them all. And at the end of this study, quite frankly, I was a convert. I was amazed at how well it went. We had seen reductions in depression in this group, even reductions in psychosis. And to me, it was the spark that helped me to understand that this might be the solution to really scaling mental health care services remotely to the entire country. If we could do messaging-based care well, which could really solve a number of different mental health concerns. So trust was, was born out of this idea of a, a science-backed, great quality approach towards mental health care using primarily messaging instead of a face-to-face interaction which is the way therapy has been done for over 100 years. And so what, when we started approaching clinicians with this idea, some clinicians are familiar with messaging already, um, but many are not. And so our pitch to them is helping them to understand that we actually have an empirically backed, science-based approach to this type of intervention that we know works. And it allows clinicians to see 10 to 15 times the number of clients that they could relative to their typical one-to-one interaction. Wow. And so that level of scalability, as well as the community that we're building, where we're helping clinicians to really understand that this is the next generation of care, and it solves these really big problems in a trusted way, that's, that's what we did. And that's why we branded as well on the concept of trust, because it's just so important, not only that clients trust the clinician, but also that clinicians trust us. Right. Use an interesting phrase just then, the community you're building. Tell me about that. Yeah, so the idea is that there's a lot of platforms out there now, and there, there seems like there's a new one almost every day for telehealth, and in particular in, during the time of COVID. And... We, we hear from a lot of clinicians who are working on these other platforms that they're dissatisfied with the ethics of how these other companies work and how they're not really aligned with clinician interests very well. 
And we're taking a very different approach where we're, we're saying we're putting clinicians first and we're building a community of mental health clinicians that we, we believe in and that we want to maintain a relationship with and that we want to support and train and keep them up to date on the latest science behind what we do. And so at Trust, we spend a lot of time with um, making sure that not only our, our tr- clinicians are well-trained and that, that they're understanding how to do this, but that they feel supported and connected as well. Um, because, you know, a, a healthy mental health clinician is a clinician that's most helpful to other people. And the nature of how your solution works means there will be more contact with clinicians, correct? Oh, yeah, absolutely. That, that's one of the real shifts in the treatment model is that traditionally, someone comes in who might need mental health support. They will see a clinician uh, at an intake, and then they'll set forth a schedule of meeting with that clinician, which most often is once a week. And so much happens in the course of a week for a person that, you know, very often there'll be an event in someone's life. They, they probably won't be in contact with the clinician during that time. And then they'll have to rehash how they thought through it, how they worked through it in the next session. So with this model, it's very different where we have so much more contact with the, the clients because our clinicians are available Monday through Friday and they will respond in under 24 hours. So that technically means that, that clients can be interacting with that clinician five days a week. Now, it's not that one big chunk of time, but it's also great because people can write whenever they need to and whenever something happens in their life. So it just is, it's a, it's a different model, but I think it's a very interesting and effective model that provides actually more care and contact than you could traditionally just in person. And speaking of the model of delivery. We're talking about messaging, which I'm assuming is primarily text messaging, correct? Yes. Immediately, my mind runs to, let's talk about who accepts this change immediately, both on the clinician side and the patient side, and who might be late adopters. Right. So that acceptance rate, are you concerned about that or optimistic about it? I'm optimistic just in terms of what we're seeing around adoption of technology. So, For one thing, it's kind of amazing and fascinating. If you think about this at a broad level, we are actually alive for a period of history where we're seeing the biggest adoption of technology across the human population that has ever happened, ever. And that's smartphones. There's there's billions of smartphone subscriptions right now. Uh, and, and it's just amazing how prolific this technology is in everyone's hands. And it's actually tracking, even with people with serious mental illness, they're using cell phones at the same rate that you would see in the general population. And so it provides us with this tool and this mechanism to think about treatment differently. And so in terms of like the demographic of who this is really well matched for, it is true that that our earlier adopters tend to be maybe between the 18 to 30-year-old range. That is, I think, because many people in that range have really grown up with texting and messaging. And for many of those pe- people, it's kind of their first language. They, they actually prefer mm-hmm. to communicate via texting than to have a phone call with people. Yeah. And because of that, just it's a comfortable medium of communication. I think people often really enjoy that this is a new way that they can work with someone. 
it's a little bit slower for people who maybe have experience with having a relationship with a therapist and who've had that in-person interaction and struggle to think about what would that relationship be like if I was not seeing them in person. Mm -hmm. And so one of the things that we actually do at Trust also is we encourage our clinicians to meet with people in the way that helps them most. In fact, sometimes that means seeing somebody in person and getting off our platform. Because for some people, that is best. And so we encourage our clinicians to, to do that if they need to, and just to meet people where they are. Because again, our, our, our real mission is about transforming mental health care and providing high quality service. So if, if that's what's needed, then that's fine with us. Besides the messaging-based approach, how will this feel different from seeing a clinician in person? You know, there's, there's a lot of similarities, really. It, if you think about psychotherapy itself, one of the things that's fascinating about it as a discipline is psychotherapy is really an intervention of language. Mm. And it's, it's really a science of language in that we learn as clinicians, what are the best words to use to help someone change? And those words have to be given to the right person Uh, They have to be the right words and delivered at the right time. And one of the amazing things about messaging is that actually we're starting to be able to understand which words have the best impact with which people at which times. And that's uh, something that's really never happened so much historically. Historically, we've really had a framework for what works, but not understood as well with this level of precision, how we help someone. So uh, in, in many ways, it's similar because we're doing the same types of techniques with using language to help someone transform their perspective and their behaviors. What is different is that we do lack some of the cues that we would get in person working with someone, like their facial expression or their tone of voice. So our perspective at Trust is that we're actually building a tool set for clinicians that I think will ultimately far exceed what you could do with someone in person. And we've started with messaging and we're actually adding in and have already added in additional tool sets that give clinicians insights. Things like capabilities for the clinician to know through artificial intelligence on their side, what the sentiment or the tone of the conversation might mean looking at a big data set, where it's not just that individual's language, but uh, understanding how it fits within a larger context, and then giving some insights about, ah, oh, well, maybe this person might also be struggling with uh, depression or anxiety or something else. So we're just at the very beginning of using these technologies and even seamlessly integrating them with other, other things like digital therapeutics, where you could do an, an app for depression and follow along with your clinician where I think that it's a, it's a different model, but the basis is in language, which is what psychotherapy is all about. So, Bill, why you? Why were you the one to come up with this? You know, quite honestly, it's probably because I'm a bit of an odd bird. <laughs> and by that, I mean, <laughs> um, there's maybe some characteristics that I have that's just a unique conglomeration of things. One is that I, I have an interesting intersection of background in technology and mental health. And now I've also had a a career in in industry and business. So with those three things together, I think it makes me pretty well positioned to be 
as someone who's leading this charge. Um, and then I think maybe just in terms of my personality, and this might be consistent with many of the other people who you interview, I, I really have always been someone who was focused on how to make it better, how to, how to think about what the next thing is, how can we improve the system, change it. And I've just been always in my career and in my life motivated to do that. So when I see that the system is broken in mental health, uh, I, I, I think there's a way to solve this. We can do better. We can think outside the box in ways to make this much more effective and affordable for people. And that's why I'm just, I'm so excited about where we are because I think we actually have a solution that can completely change this, the, the system and the structure of what's been built for the better. So um, I think there's probably a, a number of reasons why, why me, but I, but I think that maybe captures um, my thoughts on what's different here. Yeah, I like, the, I like the way you explained that. What are your next steps? Where do you go from here? Yeah, well, you know, we're at a, at a place, a real place of growth in, at Trust. And a lot of that was actually ca- uh, uh, catalyzed by COVID. So, so many businesses have struggled to respond to COVID because of the changes that were required. For us, there, it actually resulted in an industry-wide forced change where clinicians had to start to adopt technologies to do remote care. And for us, it was, a, it was a great moment of change where clinicians opened up their eyes and their minds to thinking about what are other models that could work in care. And so that catalyst for us was the beginning. And what's next is we're building out these great tool sets, which I think are going to revolutionize what's possible with care and really improving what's, what clinicians can do and working with people. And also... Um, we're we're very close to actually releasing a new model where not only can people sign up and work with a clinician, but also we're going to allow free services where someone, anybody can create an account and we will be giving them access to high quality mental health information and um, other tools that I think will also start changing the conversation about just giving access to everyone and giving multiple options at different price points so that it's just affordable to pretty much anyone. And I think that to me is just a very exciting change because I really want our service to be accessible to anyone. And I want to make this something that changes how we can really disrupt this space and and make mental health care something that's different and better than what we've had previously. Love it. And one of the big barriers that came up in my mind, just reading a bit more about this, is the stigma associated of going into a, a clinic and getting looked at and talked to, and the physical aspect of opening the door and walking into something like that, I suspect, keeps a lot of, especially younger people, out of it. Am I right about that? Oh, you're absolutely right. Yeah, I mean, I actually do believe that this has improved over time, that especially the younger generation, I think, is more comfortable talking about some mental health topics than was previously the case. However, there's just no doubt that there's still a lot of stigma about it. And we actually have research data showing that messaging-based care does increase access for people who suffer from stigma and are concerned with it. So it is one of those things that reduces the barriers. 
and makes it much more likely that somebody will reach out instead of feeling you know more shy about it or, or having to set up an appointment and go in in person so uh, i think there is a real benefit there looking through some of those statistics i sense extreme urgency here oh absolutely yeah it, it, about one in five people uh have a diagnosable mental illness in the united states mm -hmm. and we the, the most disturbing statistics that we're seeing are actually in the 18 to 24 year old group where the cdc just recently indicated that up to a quarter of all people in that age range have contemplated suicide in the last month good lord so it is really a crisis i think and and there's just not the resources available to, to be able to help all these people. So I think it's a, it's a great and important societal problem that we need to address. And you have your hand on the lever. That's the hope. Yeah, I think you do. Well, Bill, thank you. This has been tremendous. I'm really excited to see where you go and how fast you get there. Your next steps are mostly execution, right? That's right. Yeah, luckily that the software's built, the service is running, and we're uh, we're sprinting to try to, to both increase our capability and to continue to get people aware of what we're doing so that they can try it out. Well, awesome. Best of luck. And I don't, I don't think you need luck. I think you just need drive. And I know you have that. <laughs> yeah, thank you. Thank you very much. Learn more about Dr. Bill Hudenko and Trust by going to trust.app. That's T-R-U-S-S-T dot A-P-P. From there, you can learn more about Bill's team and follow them on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and LinkedIn. This has been a Trouble Group podcast. Learn more about us at troublegroup.com. If you're a troublemaker and want to be on the podcast, email us at steve at troublegroup.com. 